0: What kind of support do you have in your life? When you examine where you're at today, how many people in your life helped you get there? Well, in today's passage, we're going to be seeing how Paul not only trusted wholeheartedly in God and his calling for his life, but he relied on certain people to help him use his spiritual gifts for the glory of God. So turn to Galatians chapter 2 and let's get into it. Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? I pray you guys are blessed in the Lord. Thank you so much for tuning in on another episode here on Stand Strong in the Word podcast. So today is podcast 165, and we're actually going to be now looking at Paul receiving confirmation from the apostles in Jerusalem. And we're just going to kind of park in verses 6 through 10 of Galatians chapter 2. Now, before I bring up to speed, I just want to say a few things to all of my dear and dedicated uh, listeners out there around the world if you've noticed, obviously, I have been completely like MIA when it comes to this podcast. And the reason being is that my entire family, my wife and four kids, including myself, we all got the Delta uh, virus. And thankfully, my children recovered within, gosh, like probably a matter of days. Uh, my older two had mild symptoms Um, during the whole entire time my wife was sick for about a good week side effects that have still kind of lingered but she's been out and about but for me when I got it on August 8th um, it just took over and I was obviously completely shocked uh, by the, the just how intense it was and the pain that I endured so much so whereas I was on the verge of being hospitalized on a ventilator uh, and thankfully, and I got to say, and I know many of you guys who actually do listen that I know personally stepped in there as you guys prayed and fasted. Many people brought food. People were even paying for our medical expenses because they were just adding up with an ER visit that I did, uh, medication that cost a lot of money. I was shocked. My wife, first off, didn't want to tell me how much the medication I had to get on was costing us. Uh, But out of nowhere, uh, a dear friend just on Vimo sent money um, and uh, it it just on and on other people sending money, another friend saying, I'll give you money, whatever you need. Just let us know how we can love on you guys and take care of you. And I have to say, you guys on this podcast, I know we come together and again, our primary and and it ought to be is to dig deep into God's word. Let God's word saturate our lives that we can live it out with passion, with grace, and with great conviction. And I, I love, love, absolutely love God's word. And I know you guys do as well. And that's what makes this podcast, this community that we have been growing, so special because our primary focus is God's word. But when we study it, we need to live it. And you guys, I gotta say, when I was... Losing oxygen for almost two weeks and it was getting worse, and having no really understanding what to do next. And my wife was desperately trying to figure things out. And to have so many people at the right time step in and speak a word that came from the Lord, as I cried out to him just a few days prior. Of course, we were praying throughout, but there was a time, you guys, of desperation that I verbally was crying out to God to deliver me. And he answered my prayers. God brought not only people who did not take no for an answer, they knew that I needed to get treated. I was day 12 and my oxygen levels were getting worse. They knew that I needed to get treatment and they stepped in there. And one of my dear board members contacted uh, a friend of his who i who i knew pretty not pretty well but knew of and she immediately after hearing upon hearing from other people that i didn't even know about see god was moving you guys um she contacted me and we did a teleconference and we went from there and she treated me and it obviously helped me helped it saved me and so You guys just, I want you guys to know that during this time, God really has spoken to me. He's really used this trying time in my life to break me, to humble me, for me to depend on him, but also to see the beauty of the body of Christ. It just was such a huge, not just reminder, but it uplifted my soul. And I've had the chance since I've gotten better to personally face-to-face communicate that to several of you out there. And I know there's many more of you guys out there, even on social media, who've sent your prayers and you've been concerned and you've you've wanted to know an update. I am much, much better. Obviously, I'm recording now in the studio. I'm going to go see my doctor. I still got to do x-rays and stuff like that. But hey, you know what? By the grace of God, and I just am so, so grateful again to all of you guys who have prayed for me. And even as you were hearing this for the very first time, perhaps you're like, I didn't even know, Jason, you were sick. And that's okay. You know, it's impossible for us to keep track of, of all the things that are going on in life. But I just wanted you guys to know that and give you guys out of respect an update. And that's why I've been absent from the podcast for, for a month. You know, it's taken me that long uh, to recover. And I even actually tried two weeks ago. I think it was as I was getting on medication, I came in the studio and we started to record some stuff and my voice and everything, I just, my lung capacity just couldn't do it. And uh, so we just said, let's not do it. And we'll just have to wait until you feel better. So here we are. Uh, now, before, though, like I said, go to Galatians 2, I do want to also one last thing share with you guys. And this is a Psalm 116. And my pastor is one of my dear friends and his wife who pray for the ministry for my family and myself when I travel regularly. At one period of time, they had sent this to my wife and said, we are praying this for Jason, praying, him, praying this passage over his life. And this became my passage that carried me through what I went through. And I wanted to share that with you guys real quickly. The title here in the English standard version is I love the Lord. That awesome. I love the Lord because notice in Psalm 116, right off the bat says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Isn't that awesome? So I pray that encourages you guys, because I know many of us out there have either gotten the virus or we know of someone who has, and I was just talking to a friend at church recently whose mother died from COVID. And so perhaps you guys are going through a trial right now. Hold fast to one to Psalm 116, verses 1 through 7. So with that being said, let's now uh, turn our attention to Galatians chapter 2, and as I mentioned here, Paul receives confirmation from the apostles in Jerusalem. Now, to bring up to speed, as always, you can go to standsourministries.org, click on podcast, you can see all the books that I've already covered on the podcast here. We got the Gospels, we got the Book of Acts in chronological order, we have the, the epistle, the small epistle of James, and now we're focusing on Galatians. So when you go back and you see Paul's growth of ministry in Jerusalem, see, that's the focus, Okay. That's the focus. And there was a Jerusalem council in roughly eighty forty eight 48 that Luke records in Acts 15. This is the passage in Galatians two of the time period. If you were to correlate that to the book of Acts. So Paul's second visit to Jerusalem was recorded here in verses one through 10. So this is where he's at. He's in Jerusalem because after 14 years, he went, uh, you know, to Jerusalem with Barnabas. And, you know, that was after, you know, of course, the vision that he received in Acts chapter 9, he now has a partner, Titus, is, is, is champing with him. And then we see in verses 3 through 5, Paul details the defense against these false teachers who are trying to bring the Galatians back into slavery. So these legalizers, they're trying to trap Paul and, and they're trying to also entrap the people that he has been ministering and witnessing to. And so in verse five, when he says to them, we did not yield into submission, even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. So Paul, again, as I talked about in our last podcast, I know it's been a while, but he was not going to concede. He was not going to compromise. He was not willing to yield into the pressure of compromising the message of the gospel. My friends, think about what we are being faced with today. Think about the pressure that people are giving in to the gay agenda, or they're rewriting scripture right now. I'm actually working on a book, a parenting book, uh, with focus on the family. And when I when I turn that in, and it goes into copyright mode, you know, typesetting stuff, I'm going to be, and I've already been working on it, but submitting a new project on looking at this hijacking of Jesus, this progressive Jesus. Period. That's the main focus of how many pastors have been compromising the gospel who've been giving in to just pressure or they've altered their views for whatever reason. But it's not the Jesus of the, of the Bible. It's not the second person in the Trinity. It's not fully God, fully man. Jesus the Messiah whose name is And again, Acts 4.12, there's no other name given among man by which we must be saved. He's not the I am the way, the truth, and life Jesus. It's an incarnate view of Jesus of kind of possessive truth that can correlate to the virtues that you are not just impressed with in your life, but that you're motivated to live out in a beautiful and sanctimonious way. And so you throw Jesus in there as Savior He's more like a mentor. He's more like a friend. And so as I've been diving deep into that for the past few months before I got sick, you you really get to see how they have hijacked the Jesus of the Bible and then they insert their interpretation to make Jesus, again, a social justice warrior. Well, in this case, Paul is not doing this. Already, I mean, we're talking years removed, not even... 20 years removed, roughly thereabout, since the resurrection of Jesus and Pentecost, the start of the church in Acts 2. And you have these Judaizers, these legalizers, who are taking over the message of the gospel. Again, remember, this is not permeated. This is not exploded yet. In chronological order, we have James, his little epistle. And again, even in that, he does a deal uh, immensely because it's going to be the role of Paul now especially when you get into the book of Romans, dealing with the humanity and deity of Christ, dealing with the atonement. And so these are heavy things theologically. But you guys, we have to be reminded where he was not going to compromise the gospel as we left off. And now in verses six through 10, you're going to see confirmation that the apostle is going to have of Paul because he's staying true to the gospel that they themselves learned from Jesus and that they're preaching. But let's pick things up now in Acts chapter or excuse me in Galatians 2 6 through 10 and from those who seem to be influential what they were makes no difference to me Paul says God shows no partiality. Those I say whom seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to be to the circumcised, for he worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised, worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Peter, or Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, meaning they seem to be, they're the supporters, kind of the known, again, not celebrities, but the, the recognized names of the church. Perceive the grace that was given to me. They gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing that I was eager to do. All right. So that's the passage. So let's break it down. So notice right off the bat that Paul, he says, remember, we left off in verse five where it says, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And then he says in verse six, and from those who seem to be influential. And I love this. He, he, he puts in kind of brackets here. What they were makes no difference to me. So first off, and I love this, Paul, and this is where when I've looked in ministry and as an apologist, Paul was not going to back down when it came to false teachers. He was going to expose them. And when I've done that in my ministry that God has blessed me with, I can't tell you how many people will backlash me and say, judge not lest you be judged or who, do, who are you? Or recently I saw somebody on YouTube to one of my YouTube videos was saying, you use a bunch of jargon or it's people like you that causes division or something like that. And I'm like, guys, scripture clearly points out the times when we have to rebuke and I'm not going to apologize for that. Now I have to ensure through the power of the Spirit, that I, the fruits of the Spirit are evident in my life, that I'm with clarity and charity as I speak the gospel or confront somebody who is altering the gospel. But that is a responsibility that, that, we, are to, that we are called to have as Christians, especially when God has uh, gifted you as a leader and as a teacher of his word. And so Paul here, he goes face-to-face with these false teachers, and at the same time, he says, and by the way, even people that I'm in agreement with that, again, subscribe to the same belief systems as me, as a follower of Jesus Christ and hold fast to the gospel, I'm not persuaded by their influences. That does not matter to me. And he says, God shows no partiality. So I'm not playing favorites here. The message that I'm preaching is not approved by the apostles, meaning I'm not getting my approval from them. Don't you love that, you guys? See, that is key. So it's not just about confronting the people who oppose your belief systems, it's also not giving into the pressures and the influences of people within that hold to your belief systems and compromising there. And you've seen so much of that, you guys, where there's a lot of people in their identity of ministry, it's more or less conformed to the person. Not who just writes, you know, their checks for them, gives them a job. But when you have these celebrity uh, personalities out there, many people, and again, I've traveled a lot through these, these places, rub shoulders with many of them, uh, you know, shared the stage with many of them, and you see so many people give in to them, and they do anything and everything that they want, because they want their approval. They want to be like them. Some of it's good but a lot of it's bad. He says, those I say who seemed influential added nothing to me. So the 12 apostles weren't more privileged than Paul. Keep that in mind. Yes, he was not Peter, James, and John in the inner circle, but God shows no partiality. There's a reason why Jesus poured into those particular three. Look at how they were used. And so here, what Paul is saying is, Their commissioning came from Jesus. But God was showing no partiality, according to Romans 2, verse 11. And the other thing here that's important is that Paul was more concerned, you guys, by obedience. Rather than external, catch this, appearances and credentials. And how often now do we overlook or fail to walk in obedience, which takes discipline. And want to go for a parent's sake or we work for credentials. So you guys, there's another thing that is important here. Is that so often in ministry, people could be focusing on credentials. They want titles. And they boast about it. And they think if I have these credentials or I get the approval of this person or I get the endorsement of this person, my sales are going to skyrocket in my books. Or I'm going I'm to get tenure. or I'm going to get the professorship or I'm going to get this thing or I'm going to be, I should be speaking of these bigger, huger platforms because of my credentials and because of the people I know or because of who I am. That was not the motivating factor for Paul. He was more determined to earn God's approval than he was gaining the approval of man. So I ask you, what about you? Are you pursuing the approval of God or are you so consumed by the approval of man? Remember we touched on this in Galatians 1. Paul's witness for Christ meant more to him and it should mean more to us than building up our reputation. Paul wasn't building his, up, his reputation up to get the 12 to you know, bring him as the 13th apostle, if you will. He was not building up his reputation so that he would gain more human authority or persuasion. And so that's why in verse seven here, when he says that on the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, meaning to the Gentiles, just as Peter again was called, it was very clear at this point in time, to minister to the Jews particularly, because he says here in verse eight, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me. So there is not a compare and contrast but what you're seeing is you're seeing a parallelism. So Paul is peril, paralleling his ministry to the Jews like God was using Peter to the Gentiles or excuse me to, uh, to the Gentiles and Peter to the Jews. So the term here that they that quote they saw the apostles that is implies that they didn't believe Paul's calling by Christ at first. So that 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 gives us more insight into why Paul is describing this you guys in his letter. Because he's admitting, he's letting them know, he's not ashamed of it. First off, guys, it took a while for the apostles to to say that God had truly saved me. And not not only that, but that he's entrusted me with the gospel to a group of people that the Jews were not saying were qualified or good enough to receive the message of the gospel. At this time, you guys, at this point in time, and even after Galatians was written, Many Jews still believed that the gospel was only for the Jews. Jesus was a Jew. All the disciples were Jewish. This was in the Abrahamic covenant, right? So this was not applicable to the Gentiles. That's what they believed. And here Paul is saying, listen, you guys, I wasn't believed when I came out saying I got saved. It took Barnabas to convince the apostles, that Paul was legit. And not only that, but that he was called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And not only that, but that Jesus had specifically called him as an apostle, just like he called Peter to the Jews. So then at some point, the apostles had a change of mind. Now, the expository's Bible commentary puts it like this, quote, historically, the picture one gets is this. The apostles at Jerusalem were wavering on neutral ground, tending to advise compliance to the law on Paul's part. But they finally came out for Paul by declaring openly for freedom from the law. This wavering attitude is suggested in the following verses, both in the attitude of reserve Paul seems to have encountered at Jerusalem, verses 6 through 9, and in the related wavering of Peter at Antioch in verses 11 through 14. Moreover, this fits in with what is most clear in this passage, namely that the conflict was primarily between the false brothers and Paul and that in the end, whether wavering before the time or not, the apostles stood solidly with Paul in Barnabas, end quote. So based on that view that we just read from the Expository's Bible Commentary, and I tend to believe this as well, and, and this is an indicator that we kind of read into the scriptures here, when Paul was talking about, they saw, again, going back to not really fully believing what God was, had called Paul to really do with the gospel, right? And his role alongside the apostles. But it was actually through the conflict from the false brothers that really caused the apostles in Jerusalem and, and elsewhere to see Paul's legitimacy. And that's why when he says, I have been entrusted, Paul acknowledges that he preached the same gospel. And, the, and, the, and Peter and the Jews saw that. And so when he was refuting the false brothers, the Judaizers, the legalizers, it became clear and evident that that was true from that standpoint now from the apostles. And that's why they had to the change a mind. So you guys, sometimes when you might be in question, but then people see your, the fruit that come from your life. Again, it may take time. It may take time. And another confirmation though of that is when not the approval in a, in a fleshly desirable way that's, that's unholy. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, make it your aim to please the Lord. So when, they, when people say you're pleasing the Lord and you're preaching a faithful gospel, that's true to the word of God, and they see the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life, they will come. The support will come. And you start looking around you guys, and one of the things I've looked in my life, and to see, again, the, the fruit of your labor, or knowing that God is blessing your ministry, it's based on the people that he gives you. And the only difference was Paul was called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, not to the Jews. And it wasn't like the apostles, the 12, and then Paul, they were like territorials. Like, no, we, we have, you stay out of the Jews. Because we clearly see in the book of Acts, as I went through it chronologically with you guys, Paul was preaching to the Jews as well. He himself was a Jew and a Roman citizen. And so and when James in, says in verse 9, in James and Cephas, that's, that's Peter and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given, they gave the right hand of fellowship. So by placing James first in the order of names, it's cool, I love this. What Paul was doing here was he was identifying to the prominence of James' role James role in leading the Jerusalem Council. But you go back to Acts 15, 12 through 21, where you can see that. And I had preached at my church. You can go to carmelbaptist.org. Uh, and look up Jason Jimenez, I don't remember exactly where, but I preach on Acts 15 and and show the conflict that the church was undergoing and how they had to defend the faith and how Paul was a part of that and the rest of the crew. And it's a great example of the church coming together and fighting against a virus that Satan was planting to try to ruin the unity and not just the unity, but the orthodoxy that the church was, was uh, promoting that is the gospel. And so James, of course, we know is the half-brother Jesus. And Peter and John, the son of Zebedee, uh, were in the inner circle of Jesus. As I mentioned earlier, you see that in Mark 5, verse 37, Mark 9, verse 2, and Mark 14, verse 33. So these are prominent figures. And we can see that in the order in which Paul places them here in verse 9. Now, this phrase here seemed to be pillars. Zondervan illustrated Bible backgrounds commentary of the New Testament. Gosh, say that five times fast. This is what Zondervan says. The, the term here pillars is stylio. And so here, this Paul Paul was using a metaphor that was commonly used by the Jews in speaking of the great teachers of the law. So this is fascinating. Paul's going up against people who are teaching false doctrine, who are saying the law. Saves. You need to be circumcised in order to be saved. What Paul does here by using the term pillars is he's pointing to James, Peter, and John as actually the great teachers of the law. And so the church is here regarding it, says, as the house or temple of God held up and supported by pillars, that is these key apostolic leaders, James, Peter, John. So even though earlier Paul says, I don't need their approval. I mean, wh- whoever they are, it, ma- it makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality, therefore I show no partiality. I know what God has called me to do. These people are influential in the church. Great. It wasn't, he wasn't like, I'm going to use an old term. Of course, if you came from mid-80s to the 90s, dissing them. Okay. He wasn't undermining them. Paul wasn't going rogue or anything like that because notice what he does here in verse 9. See, this again, this is consistent reading in the text. This is proper hermeneutics, my friends, meaning studying the text as the the, the writer, the originator, in this case, Paul, wrote through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Because in verse 9, what he's doing here is he's honoring them, he's recognizing them as pillars of the church. That's cool. And then. He goes to say they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me. See, that's something Paul recognizes that he himself couldn't do on his own. He wasn't self subscribing to Paulism and going out there to counter Peter and show how uh, ignorant Peter was of this and how much smarter Paul was to them and why they needed to listen to them. He wasn't trying to go to, G- to James and take over his role there in Jerusalem. He knew that in the fellowship, in the body, in a, in a course, even among the pillars of the church, he needed their acceptance in this way because of the role that God had given them. That's unity, my friends. That's submission. Now, I would admit that there have been times in ministry that God had put uh, me under certain people that I did not like. Some of it was, uh, it was discerning on my part. And other times I was being disobedient. I wasn't being submissive. And you have to go through church discipline or you have to have some hard talks, right? You have to do some reflection, some contemplation. And a lot of times it was never really easy or having to uh, rebuke certain people in the church who were not being submissive to certain authority, okay? And so this form here, now you hear in the church, possibly with you, when when you have like church membership or something like that, you have the right hand of fellowship. That's where this phrase comes from that we use even in some church circles today. It's offering your hand to someone that's signifying an acceptance and catch this, a pledge of friendship. Meaning, it's not just saying you're one of us, but saying I identify that we are brothers and sisters in this body. And so the right hand of fellowship is that. It's a signifying of acceptance. And so the apostles and James, they extended their approval And they accepted Paul. And not only Paul, but they also accepted Barnabas as the extension of ministry that Christ had given them to the Gentiles. And that phrase here now, that we should go to the Gentiles. So Paul here describes his unworthiness, remember, um, that God had called him to do something that that nobody had done before. That a Jewish man as qualified as Paul was to go to the heathens. And that God's power and his grace was moving that direction. And that's fulfilling thousands of years prior to this, that when God had spoken to Abraham, and we're going to see that in Galatians chapter three, that God spoke to Abraham, of course, when he was Abram at the time, when he left the land of the Chaldeans to go to Haran, et cetera, and land up in Canaan, the promised land, that God said to him, you will be the father of many nations. And again, that term nations is ethnos of different ethnic groups. Of course, that implies that it wouldn't just be for the coming Hebrew people, the Jewish people eventually, but also the coming Gentiles. Like you and me today. And I love this too, to reflect on this. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians 15 verses nine through 11. Paul there writes, for I am the least of the apostles unworthy to be called an apostle, because I, I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me, whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. So again, that's a combination of what we're seeing here in this passage, is, is whether then I, it was I or they, meaning whether God is moving on them through the grace of God, Or me. We are the church of God. We're the body of Christ. We need to work together. And then he says in verse 10, only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing that I was eager to do. When you go back to Acts chapter 11, verses 29 and 30, Luke records Paul's efforts to minister to the poor. This is what Luke writes. So the disciples determined everyone, according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul, obviously that's Paul. So ministering to the poor, you guys, it is actually, according to scripture, a very powerful example of God's love. So catch this. It's not just rebuking the false teachers. It's not about seeking the approval of celebrity status or anything like that. It's not about you. It's It's about God. But it's also looking at people who are less fortunate. Who don't have what you have. And, and I and granted, we know that the vast majority of the people in the world live in poverty. And then when you look at us in the Western world, if you live in America, even if you live in Canada, right, in comparison to third world countries, you know, we are very wealthy. Now Listeners out there, all you guys, there are different levels of, of income, lifestyles, but the point is the vast majority of us who have a smartphone and you're listening to this podcast right now and you got your earbuds or you got your AirPods in and you're looking around and you got your Apple watch, you know what I mean? And that's wealth. You can afford these things, hopefully, Right. But we also have to focus on ministering to the poor, the people who are less fortunate. And so ministry is not always about getting the approval of people who are influential and you want a certain status. It's about taking what God has given you and ministering that to the people he's called you to minister to. Proverbs 9 verse 17 says, "Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. So my friends, as I conclude, I'm going to ask you a few questions just for reflection's sake. Number one, again, who in your life has God blessed you with that are supporting you? Okay, so think about at least five people if you can, three to five people. Two, when was the last time you told them, thank you? When was the last time you said, I appreciate the influence. I appreciate the support. I appreciate you. I appreciate your friendship. I love you as a brother or as a sister in Christ. Thank you for loving me. When was the last time we told him that? Another question is, what type of false doctrine have you been exposed to? Now, some of you guys may have to think that through because you're like, false doctrine. Some of you guys may be not as trained or discerning. um, And that's okay. This is a process, okay? I recommend that you go to stanstrorministry.org, click on uh, articles that I've written there, check out my book section, get the Q&A book, The Bible's Answers to 100 of Life's Biggest Questions. Learn, study apologetics, study theology, study the Word of God like you're doing as, we're, as you're listening to this podcast right now and going through the book of Galatians with us. But also, as you are reflecting on what kind of false doctrine, what are you doing about it? How are you responding to those things? Do you remain silent? Are you intimidated? Uh, do you get too aggressive and start arguing with people? If that's the case, again, Here on our platform, recommend Challenging Conversations, a book that I wrote to help you become an advocator of God's truth. And finally, the poor. How are you ministering? Are you ministering to people who are less fortunate? So, with that being said, you guys, I appreciate the time that we've been able to have. I'm so glad to be back, recording, back in the studio, teaching you God's word. I pray it has refreshed your soul, that it's challenged you. As always, if you want to contact me, You can do so at info at StandStrongMinistries.org. If you've been listening for a while or you're a first-time listener and you just got familiar with Stand Strong in the Word and you love what we're doing and you want us to continue to grow, we can use your prayers but also your financial supports because as you guys can imagine, it's expensive not just recording this podcast but also marketing it and putting it out there for more people like you to be introduced to God's Word and to Grow in their knowledge in God's word. And that's important. And that's our purpose of why we put this podcast out every single week. So you can go to standstrongministries.org, click on the donate button, and we would love for you to give whatever God has laid in your heart to give. So thank you guys. Love you guys. Until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening, and keep standing strong in the Word of God.